welcome to the Duathlon Show. This episode, NYC Runs Falling Leaves 5K Race Report. In this episode of the Duathlon Show, I'm going to break down the Falling Leaves 5K I ran a few days ago in Prospect Park, Brooklyn. This was the biggest race I've ever run in terms of participants, so a good chance to measure myself against a large sample size of other runners. The race was organized by the NYC Runs organization. This is not the organization that puts on the New York City Marathon. That's New York Roadrunners. NYRR is the number one race org in New York. Many of their races are highly selective and fill up quickly with active members trying to do their 9 plus 1 program to qualify for the NYC Marathon. If you're a local, you can race 9 NYRR races and then volunteer at 1 and get automatic entry to the marathon. So often, if you're a non-NYRR member like me, it's hard to get into NYC's premier 5K, 10K, half marathon, and marathons run by New York Roadrunners. But luckily, there's the NYC Runs organization in existence with a healthy calendar of events and more availability for the casuals like myself a member of No Running Club, a free agent or a privateer, if you will. I signed up for the NYC Runs Falling Leaves 5K because I wanted a preparation race for my big end-of-year goal, the Prospect Park Fall Duathlon on November 5th. Running this 5K would give me a good excuse to practice waking up early and crossing the river into Brooklyn, and it would be good to run part of the course that would be included in the upcoming duathlon. The 5K course wouldn't line up exactly with the 2.1 mile or 3.4 kilometer duathlon loop, but the race would still serve as a good recon. On the wet and rainy morning of the race, I took the train to Brooklyn. I jogged from the station to the middle of the park in my backup shoes, my daily trainer pair of Brooks Glycerin 20s. Wanted to keep the Nike Alpha Fly 2s dry. Had to go to the finish line first to check in, get my race number, change shoes and shed my outerwear and put all my stuff into a clear bag they give you a bag check. I came by myself so no fiancé to hold my bag. I also don't race with headphones or a cell phone in my pocket. I don't want anything on me so all that stayed in my string backpack which was placed into the clear bag. So I left all my stuff at bag check besides one water bottle disposable, an old plastic Snapple bottle I've been reusing, not a nice metal insulated bottle I wasn't willing to potentially lose. My fiancé was planning to come meet me at the start line before the race. Understandably, she chose to sleep in a bit later on the cold rainy morning, not coming with me who was trying to arrive an hour or 40 minutes early so I could do all the admin and warm up before the race. But in the event I didn't make contact with her before the start, I still wanted to have a bottle I could potentially toss in the grass or lean against a tree before the gun and not worry about someone taking it. I'd come back after the race to pick up my trash, respect Mother Earth and all that. In any event, I did make contact with her before the race, so she was able to hold that bottle for me. The reason I had the bottle in the first place is because the finish line registration area was not in the same location as the start line. 
It was about a 15 to 20 minute walk from one to the other. I was going to jog over to keep myself warm and I knew I'd be thirsty again before the gun. I wanted something to wet my whistle with while I waited at the start line. Can a fella be blamed for that? I believe in cyclocross this is called a shoot bottle. Fortunately, I had read the website and looked at the course map and was prepared for the fact that my bag check and number pickup would be in a different location than the race start. But apparently a lot of racers did not. I saw very long lines of people picking up race numbers with like 15 minutes to go, and it wasn't looking good for the possibility of those in the back to start on time at 8am. My fiancé heard others complaining to the staff and volunteers because apparently they did not know that the course was not a loop and that start and finish were separated. I even saw one guy trying to start his race after I had finished my 5k. And the park was busy too, making getting from one location to the other a bit challenging for the spectator or the participant trying to make their way to the line on time. In addition to the 5k, there was actually a concurrent half marathon. Or you could say that the 5k was the junior partner tacked on to the half marathon. 1,672 participants in the 5K and 1,397 in the half marathon. So a busy park indeed that morning and lots of people needing to check in. Some would have gotten their bib numbers in advance through the mail, but many others like me signed up not far enough in advance so had to pick up that morning. You won't be surprised to hear that, like most but not all races, this one began at the start and ended at the finish, which we know to be in two different locations. Prospect Park, the second finest glimmering emerald jewel in the NYC Park's crown, has a counterclockwise paved loop, banned to motor vehicles, much like Central Park the Koh-i-Noor, or premier gym, in the Gotham Crown. The half-marathon runners in this race would be doing just under four laps of the park. The 5K runners just under one full lap. All 3,000-plus runners of both the half and the 5K arranged themselves in the starting chute. The protocol was based on self-reported target race pace. I said my goal was 5 to 6 minutes per mile pace for this 5k, but on the morning of the race no one was checking your registration or anything. Just duck under the rope when you find your mile per minute starting areas. The 12 minutes plus group was all the way at the back of the chute. 11, 10, 9 minutes, etc. arranged all the way up towards the start line. For those in the back, there'd be maybe two to three minutes of slow shuffling and jogging after the gun until they finally reached the start line. This race was chip time, however, so everyone's final results were recorded on chip time, not gun time. I arranged myself in the first area with the sign that said 6 minutes 59 seconds pace and faster. There was no specific 5 to 6 minutes pace group. I was modest and put myself in the middle back of this section. I really should have wandered into the second or third row, which would have been easy enough. It wasn't super crowded or elbowy at all in the 659 pace and faster corral. 
it turned out that there were lots of people up there who were going slower than I was. So I spent the first few hundred meters of the race zigzagging people. Probably would have been safer and slightly faster had I moved up, but in the end I wasn't bothered much. I was treating this as a preparation race, not a goal race or a PB attempt. Before I go into the blow-by-blow, footfall-by-footfall race recap, I want to discuss the advantages of having a friend at the race. A friend at the start line. Someone not racing, who is there to support and cheer. Emphasis on the support, because after the start line, I didn't see my friend again at all. My fiancé. She was at the finish line, but I was tunnel visioning by that point and did not hear or see her. But having my friend, my fiance, at the start line of this cold and rainy race for support, holding an umbrella and sheltering me from the rain, was awesome. It was 59 degrees Fahrenheit or 15 Celsius with medium to heavy rain at the start. The rain made that 59 feel a lot colder. Most of the poor suckers running were standing for 10 or more minutes in the start chute, completely unprotected, getting their skin and shoes soaked. Some clever blokes and blokettes had disposable ponchos or old secondhand store sweatshirts on that they would discard right before the gun, but most were just cold and getting wetter. While I was relatively warm and dry-ish under her umbrella, and she took my water bottle too. Thanks, babe. You really came through in the clutch. My mental state was like 100% more positive at the beginning of the race because I was able to keep relatively warm and dry. Being able to start hydrated and sort of dry in a positive mind space made a huge difference, I think. Advantages to thinking ahead and having a friend there, if you can swing it. What were my goals for this 5k? I was treating this as a preparation race for the main goal two weeks out, so the number one goal today was to stay healthy and don't overdo it. No ankle twists or muscle strains if at all possible. Next goal was to negative split. I really wanted to practice my race discipline and not come out of the gates too hot and blow up and have to slow down in the second half. I wanted to start conservatively and finish faster if I was able. The goal was to run mile 1 and 2 around a 6.05 or 6.10 minute pace and then in mile 3 to run as fast as I was able somewhere under 6 minutes per mile and then sprint across the finish line. Those were the realistic goals. My stretch goal was to maybe finish in the top 20 overall of the race. I had looked up results from the past and knew this would be a race with some seriously fast runners, so I wasn't expecting a top 10 finish or an age group podium. But top 20 was my stretch goal. Not the main or realistic goal, but a would-be-nice-to-achieve lofty goal that you don't necessarily mind missing. Onto the race recap proper. The course was a partial loop with no sharp turns to write home about. Very gradual incline, not even a hill, in the first 0.2 miles of the race. Rest of mile 1 is pretty flat. Mile 2, aka the second 1.6 kilometers of the race, is super fast and all downhill, with a total elevation loss of 95 feet or 29 meters. 
mile three through to the finish provides a more or less gradual incline and 42 feet of elevation gain. All told, the race loses 20 feet or 6.1 meters of total elevation. They built a course here that allows the 5k runners to avoid the worst of Prospect Park's hills. The hill you avoid is only 73 feet at 2.7% gradient, but still. It was a nice touch for us short track racers in the 5k. The half elites still had to do that hill like three times though, poor suckers. The 5k winner ran the course in 15 minutes 58 seconds. That's a 5 minutes and 9 seconds per mile pace. The top female came 13th overall with a time of 18.07, a 5 minutes 50 seconds pace. This race also had a NBGNC category, which was nice. That's a non-binary slash gender non-conforming category. Winner of that one finished in 21.59, a 7 minutes and 5 seconds pace. My personal best 5k time was at the Sailfest 5k this July of 2023. I finished in 18 minutes and 38 seconds, a 6 minutes per mile pace. In the metric system, that would be a 3 minutes and 44 seconds per kilometer pace. I was not trying to beat that time during this race. For one, I was treating it as a preparatory race, a B race in preparation for my A goal. Second factor that would have made a 5k PB unlikely in any case was the rainy weather. There were big puddles on some areas of the course. And true to the name of the race, there were big piles of wet fallen leaves on the road. I began my race after 6 seconds of shuffling up towards the line. Remember I wasn't at the head of my corral. I spent the first 250 meters of the race dodging an absolute ton of people. Then the rest of the first kilometer, I merely dodged a fair number of runners. The rest of the race, I was never alone, but I could choose my own racing line fairly well and was no longer dodging. The first mile took 6 minutes and 19 seconds. Bit slower than the 6.05 to 6.10 goal that I had set, but that's probably mainly due to the dodging and weaving, which slowed me down a good bit. I was still happy with this pace, my breathing was going very well, and I was feeling very good one mile in. Average heart rate, 166. Mile 2 was the downhill section. I was feeling so good here, felt like I was flying, and it felt like it was easy. Average pace, 603, and heart rate, 175 beats per minute. In mile 3, I did definitely begin to feel the exhaustion as I ramped up the pace. Average heart rate of 185 in this mile, which included a bit of uphill and a gentle left-hand curve into the finish area. The finishing chute split the race course in half. Bear right if you're a half marathoner needing to keep running. Go left if you're a 5k racer or on the last lap of your half. I came into the final 200 meters of the race more or less even with one racer. Technically only in the roped off left hand side finishing chute, which had begun probably at the 4.5 kilometer mark, could I be sure who I was running close to, know if they were 5k people or half marathon people. So by the final 200 meters I definitely knew I was in a real race with the people near me and I decided to race strategically. As in, not drag this guy to the line if I didn't have to. I wanted to get a bit crafty and beat him clean if I could. So instead of time trialing into the finish, 
because I wasn't going for a PB here, I decided to race Crafty like a fox. From around 225 to 170 meters remaining, I matched his pace, the guy to my right, stopping my steady acceleration, just plateauing for those 55 meters in order to steady my breath and prepare for a sprint. At 170 meters, I was still even with the guy, so I gave it a big kick and started my sprint, not looking back. I crossed the line to finish the 2023 Falling Leaves 5k in 19 minutes and 2 seconds, and was pleased to find out that I had established a big gap, winning my sprint for 27th place quite comfortably. I'm very happy with that result. To finish 27th in a field of 1,672, for a person like me who only bought his first pair of running shoes last year, is very satisfying. That result puts me in the 1.6th percentile of race finishers. I've podiumed smaller races before, but to produce a result like this in a big city race with a huge field is a nice validation. I was 12th out of 257 in the male 30-39 to 39 age group, that's top 4.7% of that, and 26 out of 720 in the overall male field, top 3.6%. I don't say any of this to either boast or to be humble. I share it in the spirit of full disclosure. I share it from the perspective of a 33-year-old guy, an amateur who played team sports his whole life and got into cycling and running during the pandemic and fell in love with duathlon. Now this guy does four to five hours a week of training across bike and run, and he's run five 5Ks and two duathlons so far this year. The serious runners who do 100-mile weeks are going to scoff at my unseriousness and slow speed. The mass of everyday runners might be inclined to roll their eyes at my humble braggy over-disclosure. Oh, poor little sub-25k boy. He's just so eager to tell us he didn't even try hard in this race and still finish top whatever. But I do share my numbers, mainly because it's something that I appreciate in some of the creators I like. Tell me your race times. Share links to the results pages and your Strava files in the description. If you podiumed your race or your age group, tell me how many participants were in the race. How far behind number one were you? How your mile splits were? How your bike power was? Make it easy for the obsessed amateurs, your fans, to follow you more closely and learn from your experience. It's in that spirit that I share my information with you. Links to the race results for my race and my Strava file for this race are in the description for this episode. Follow me on Strava. I finished 27th in the Falling Leaves 5K. What if I had equaled my previous personal best 5K time? That was 18.38 earlier this year. 18.38 would have landed me in 22nd place. 10th place in this race was 17 minutes and 38 seconds, to give you some idea of what it takes to top 10 a race like this. A big city 5K run by the second most prestigious race organization in town. The winner you already heard finished in 15 minutes and 58 seconds, second place was 16.28, and the podium was rounded out with a finishing time of 16.31. To put this in perspective, the world record for the 5,000 meter run is 12 minutes and 35 seconds. But that's a track event, just a bunch of loops in a controlled race. 
A road 5k is a slightly different beast, and it's not in the Olympics or anything. So perhaps a better comparison is the Park Run world record. Park Run is a collection of 5km events that take place every Saturday morning at more than 2,000 locations in 22 countries across 6 continents. Basically, homebrew 5Ks run for free by volunteers. Sadly, we don't have that here in NYC, so I paid like $55 for this 5K. Anyway, the Park Run world record held on an open course outside in a park is 13 minutes and 45 seconds. Pretty rapid. Compare that to the winning time in the Falling Leaves 5K of 1558 and my 1902. Whoosh sound effect. After finishing the race, I picked up my medal and my t-shirt at one of the tents past the finish line. I picked up my bag from the bag check, and we started leaving the park by 8.30 a.m., the race having started at 8. We crossed through the mass of half-marathon runners still on course. I've never done a half-marathon, or a marathon, or even a 10k. Only 5k's. I really am a baby runner, so my perspective is limited. But I will say it looked crowded out there in that half-marathon. Claustrophobically crowded to my eyes but I'm only familiar with the relatively open terrain of regional 5Ks and now this one big city 5K, where I'm running sorta near the front of the race. My thought as we were leaving Prospect Park was that this did not seem like the half marathon course to set a PB on. Too much dodging of slower runners and other park users. Prospect Park in Brooklyn was not closed for this race. We walked across the course after waiting for a few seconds for a gap to appear that we could scurry across. So yeah, not the PB course for your half. And I wouldn't recommend any of the Central Park marathons as PB courses either. I watched a bunch of sardines running around in previous well-attended 10k races there, and I can't imagine any of the halves or full marathons that exist solely within these parks could be considered fast courses. So that was the race recap for the 2023 Falling Leaves 5K in Prospect Park, Brooklyn, USA, Earth, Galaxy, Milky Way. So what's next for the duathlon show and your humble host? Well, I'll be back in the borough that's thorough next month for the Prospect Park Duathlon, my number one end of year race goal. Following that could be a Thanksgiving turkey trot 5K, perhaps on a course I raced last year. Got some unfinished business with myself to work out on that race course. Back with a vengeance, and this time I hope to not come out of the blocks too hard and blow up like I did last year. So stay tuned for potential future race recaps this year, as well as other transfixing duathlon content to come. The duathlon show hurdles towards 20 episodes. Did you realize this was already 19? Gosh. And we ain't slowing down, not with these carbon fiber plated super shoes on and the aero bar extensions whacked onto the front of the road bike. So stay tuned, give a five star review, and stay dry, everyone. You can follow The Duathlon Show on Twitter and YouTube at The Duathlon Show. Questions or comments? The Duathlon Show at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a good rating and review on the platform where you found it and tell your friends. You can support The Duathlon Show by donating at ko-fi.com slash theduathlonshow. 